0: Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at amazon.com. Good morning, Overflow Church. We've been in the midst of an amazing series. And if you think you've seen something this morning, we ain't seen nothing yet of what Jesus is about to do in the next few minutes. As we've been talking about a holiness that comes in our life when we choose to walk in wholeness. And as a part of this, this little bit at the beginning of the message that I love, we've been taking some time as a church. ...to get to know each of our pastoral staff and what they bring to the body. And I'm very honored to have my sister, my friend, and our youth pastor, Brenda Baylog, up here with me this morning. Good morning. So, I have known Pastor Brenda for more than 20 years. In fact, I first met her through uh, her friend at that time, who became her boyfriend, who then became her husband. Uh, Josh and I were in the dorm together and leading worship teams and going to camps together... And, uh, gosh, I had an opportunity to grow a, a friendship there. I got to be in your wedding, and I didn't ruin anything. Um, yeah. We've watched our, our families grow up together. And, uh, Brenda, as I've really thought about um, you and how to introduce you, the Lord gave me, because there's, there's, there's often not words, Brenda, <laughs> but the Lord gave me three phrases. The first one, he said, is to know Brenda Balog, is to know someone who is refreshingly real. Brenda is refreshingly real. This is what I mean. Brenda will say the thing that everybody is thinking, but nobody has the guts to say. (laughs) She came on our staff, and in the midst of it, we were going from being one church to being another church, and sometimes that stuff gets funky, and it would get weird in the room, and it would get silent for a minute, and Brenda would be like, you guys don't seem like you like each other right now. Something feels like it's off. And she would say it with such grace, but she would just cut through it and say it. And so when you're hearing Brenda, it's refreshing, because she's just going to speak truth to you. The second one that I heard is that Brenda is passionately present, that to be with her is to be seen and known and loved. And so I have so many experiences, in fact, so my family and I, you know, we um, take opportunities to go on vacation. And I can remember one year, I was just particularly exhausted, and so we went up to Ridgecrest, North Carolina, that was a retreat center up there, and we were like, you know, we just want to unplug because ministry is great, but I don't want to see. I was a youth pastor at the time. I was like, I don't want to see any teenagers, and I don't want any ministry right now. I just want quiet. And we come in, and I walk into the lobby, and they're like, it's the start of our Fuge Camp. We're having thousands of teenagers here on the very grounds you're going to be this week. And I was like, dear God. (laughs) And then I get a text from Josh and Brenda, and they said, or, or they posted on Facebook, we're just checking into Fuge Camp. And I was like, what? And so actually in that place where I felt overwhelmed, I got to be seen. They, they took some time away and just spent time with us. Um, another time recently, we went on another vacation. I think they stalk us. Um, <laughs> we went on vacation up to Tennessee and ended up the same week in the same city And it was my son Josiah's birthday, and we were there and and celebrating as a family. And, you know, the night couldn't pass before. Knock, knock, knock on our hotel room. They came all the way across town and bought all these presents uh, for him just to come and celebrate. Like, Brenda is just present. When she looks at you, when she asks questions, you feel seen, you feel known, you feel loved. And then the last word that I got for Brenda, Brenda, you are a reservoir of relational depth and joy. You're a reservoir. Um, because it's this endless fount. In fact, in our staff, Brenda will often lead us in games, and I, she doesn't run out of creativity. It just refills all the time. And if there's ever a moment to say, hey, how, how can we connect? How can we come together? Brenda is right there. And so what I would love, Brenda, is if you could share with uh, the Overflow family here, share your role as not only youth pastor, but also as a, as a five-fold pastor, like you're actually in the pastoral gift. What is it you do here at Overflow Church?
1: I think you just said it all. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I am so honored to be a part of the staff and to be at a church um, that receives me. That would be like the first thing is I came in, um, welcomed uh, who I was, not what I brought. Um, Just got to be me. and, and Uh, unleashed to be me. So that is really sweet. Um, I am the youth pastor. So we meet on Sunday nights um, with our students here for a student ministry. So one of my roles there would be um, to help facilitate a safe and brave place to practice intimacy with the Father and ministry out student to student. It's not just me running a show saying this is um, how cool I am or what games I can bring or like I don't want to hold all that. Um, And so it's giving a place for our students to practice that with, um, all intentionality of like, uh, our spiritual life, our church life, becoming part of our everyday life. And so being able to hear from the Lord and move that here, but also out there, um, everywhere that we go. And so I, um, do that with our students and we have a team that is great. That's helping lead missional communities, um, Because I know that community is where, like, all of our core values happen personally and in community. And so I am just praying that gone are the days that we try to do our faith alone, that we try to walk individually Um, through this life because y'all it's hard and it's lonely um, and all of these things that we have on our walls aren't made to be alone it's not just a me and God it's a me and God and a me and you and the us and God and like how that all works Um, so my heart is just for our students to get that early they don't have to unlearn what it's like to be jaded or cynical or that girls are catty and boys are predatory or whatever you want (laughs) whatever they whatever teenagers believe I want then To know now that the Holy Spirit in them shifts and moves everything for all areas of life. Um, And then in our fivefold ministry, I would say that's kind of the same, (laughs) Um, but I work with Pastor Chris and Pastor Lynn in our fivefold shepherding. um, That is, um, and I'm learning this as we go, so I'm not like a professional at this. I just have. Um, experience in the field. (laughs) So I'm saying what I've seen, what I've gleaned, I hope to help disperse um, so that we are walking that way together as a whole church, Um, that our missional communities are doing that thing, Um, that we see one another, we celebrate one another, we lend our faith to one another, we're praying for one another, and we're just um, helping remove aloneness um, from one another.
0: Yeah, and and part of what Pastor Brenda is doing at that 9.30 Sunday mornings, every Sunday, Pastor Brenda is going to be either out here in the breezeway or over here in the children's check-in area, really wanting to connect with other people so that you would learn how to be refreshingly real and passionately present in a reservoir of relational joy and depth. So if that's you, if you heard her and you're like, man, I want that. I want to see people. I want to celebrate people. I don't care if you're an introvert, extrovert. I don't care what kind of vert you are, okay? (laughs) God has called us to walk into community. And Pastor Brenda is here every Sunday morning, and we're watching already. It's just a few weeks she's been doing this. The atmosphere is shifting, y'all. So I want to say to you, if you're watching what's in her and saying, I want to know how to bring that in my family, my missional community at the church, one of the most practical things I could tell you is show up at 9.30 on Sunday morning, look for Pastor Brenda and say, I want to learn how to do that, and she'll help you walk through that. So, Brenda, here's the question I've been asking all of our pastors, because I believe something shifts in this moment. There's a mantle that you carry at our church, and there are things that you pray. And when we agree with what heaven is showing through you, something changes here. So what is your sense of expectancy for 2023? As our youth pastor, as a five-fold pastor.
1: Yeah. Um, gosh, my palms are sweaty. Be- not because I'm nervous, but I'm excited. <laughs> um, because it's already started. Like, I'm not bringing something fresh and new. I'm just joining the efforts of what God's already done. So we've already actually heard probably two or three testimonies of that this morning. Because what I hope to bring and see um, and just elevate and expand and celebrate the- in 2023 Um, is the very things that we saw this morning. And Pastor Chuck even spoke to those over me as he introduced me, but it would be the things that would say um, that, like, I believe that God meets us where we are, and he's sweet there, but it doesn't stay there, it moves out. And so it's the part of um, where we talked about decluttering, and we talked about, um, we just watched being in this moment, and we watch. so one of the things that uh, that I can lend to you guys is that I we've worked hard to, to make margin in our lives, not living at full capacity so that we miss moments as we move by them. Um, and so it would be one of those things of... Um, we can evaluate impact after the fact, but the impact usually happens in the moment. Um, and so I have seen time and time and time again where we have created margin or space to meet people or the Father in a moment and everything shifts. Um, and so that's kind of the thing that I would see for us is that, that we wouldn't get busy um, and our ministers are busy in what our tasks are, but that we can create, that we can declutter enough in our minds, in our spaces, like our actual physical homes if you need to, so we're not cramming something good in it. We're saying there's so much room for this to flourish. There's so much room for this to grow, and it doesn't stay. And so that would be um, the thing that I hope is to help even um, help recognize what those moments are. To help um, see them, because if you're busy and you're scattered and you're moving at the pace of 2023, <laughs> you don't recognize the moments and you don't stay in the moment. And That doesn't mean live just in the moment, because we have, uh, we all can do that well. But it's the meeting with the Father and saying every moment I walk into, where my feet are, it can be a holy moment. Every time I'm teaching a kid to tie their shoe or I'm helping. Um, man, I just helped a lady clean up a strawberry milkshake on the floor the other day because she fell and it was like, Lord, this is a holy moment. So it's not like spiritualizing all the moments, it's recognizing if Christ in me is the hope of glory where I move, there is glory. And so I, I want to help elevate the, the recognition of that in you so that when you meet with God, you know everywhere you go, it can be a holy moment and it's a the impact of a moment that shifts something huge. Whether we see taste or smell that fruit we know that that moment was intended for us
0: come on do you receive that church i want you to hear what she's saying that you and i would not spiritualize moments but that we'd have discernment to see that the moments that we're in are spiritual there's a difference we don't need to spiritualize them we are spirit we walk with a god who is spirit the moment is spiritual the kingdom is now and that we could step into it. And so your youth pastor, fivefold pastor, just said that what she sees for this year is that you and I would make space in our souls to be uncluttered. That we could walk that way, not just as individuals, but as community. And so what I need to ask is, do you receive that as a word from the Lord? Yes. Do you receive the anointing to walk in that? Yes. Man, that's good. And so now here's the last thing that we get to do. She's spoken a blessing over us do you receive Pastor Brenda as is, is our youth pastor? So I want you to extend your hands toward her right now, and we're just going to pray a blessing. So Father, what I hear from you, and I heard it as Brenda was speaking, and I speak it over my sister right now. Brenda, thank God. Thank God you stepped out of the shadows and saw it was safe to be you. And because you've boldly chosen to be you, So many sons and daughters are gonna be who God created them to be. Because you are you, we can be us. So, Father, I bless my sister right now, the places that she's contending, the places that she's asking. We know even now, Lord, her family has been asking to live on this side of town for you to open space because community matters so much. I'm asking, Lord, you know the house, you know the place, you know the provision. This is easy for you. This is one we want to see this week. We want to see you move in such a way that this family needs to be here with their family. So, Father, we're calling right now for you to make a way for you to bring her home. We receive them in all of their anointing, and I pray, Lord, that you would just pour through exponentially more, in Jesus' name, amen. Can you thank the Lord for our youth pastor? All right. Well, we began this year with a prayer together, and this was the prayer that we lifted up, that we yearn to see every man, every woman, and every child know that they are held And God's adoring love that we yearn to see every man every woman and every child grow to be whole is who God created them to be and that we yearn to go alongside every man woman and child so that Brandon the bay and beyond would be brought home to the father's heart our prayer is to see our region held and whole and home. And I got to tell you, I am like giddy with nervous excitement this morning because if you don't know it yet, what is happening all around us in this moment and even within us is crazy because God right now is sowing seeds of full-blown revival across the land. It started a week and a half ago from what we could see. I mean, he's always moving, but we became aware as a region. About a week and a half ago at Asbury University, they had a normal midweek chapel service that students have to go to. I went to Bible college. I know those midweek services, and sometimes they don't feel like glory. I preached some of those midweek services. But about five students felt like the Lord was doing something in that chapel with no other instrumentation, nobody else leading. They just began to pray. And since those five students started, they haven't stopped. It's grown with thousands of people coming from all around the country. Then it broke out at Lee University. Then it Began breaking out last weekend at a lot of other churches, at Arise Church, just across town. Our brothers and our sisters, last week they were in the midst of the service when somebody came up to them and they said, I want to be baptized! And it wasn't the week to be baptized. The baptistry wasn't full, but the leader said, I see the faith there. We're going to bring out the baptistry, and we're going to baptize you, though we haven't. And 49 other people followed. 50 people spontaneously baptized in their clothes. They ran out of towels, y'all. They were taking the dressing off of tables to give people something that, that's the book of Acts kind of stuff. Across town, our brothers and sisters at Abide Church started seeing God moving in healing and miracles and hunger. And so they just opened up the building every night. They just had a 24 hour burn where they had everybody just come, and God is moving. Here at our church, we've got a, an academy that meets here that goes from elementary all the way up to high school. And at Overflow Academy this last week, class got interrupted for the high school students when all of a sudden the Lord started moving in a way that they just had to come out of their class, come into this room here, and for the next few hours just to begin to worship and pray and minister to one another. And in the midst of that, one of those students, Bella Ward, got a vision from God that she sent to me, and I asked permission to, send it, to share it with the pastors and the rest of the church. Um, <laughs> Bella's the other side of that. Can we pull this up real quick? So Bella sent me this picture, and I don't know if you can see it. There's a, there's a picture uh, of a vessel at the top pouring into Jesus that pours into more, that pours into more, that pours into this thing that looks like a funnel, and then you can see kind of all these areas around it. She said, this is what I saw, and what I loved in her message to me, she said, I've never really been one to have, like, she said, I guess this is my first question mark vision, and I was like, yeah. She said, this is what I saw. I saw this oil pouring, and in, in be- I don't know if you know, but, but oil is the representation of the Holy Spirit. She said, I saw this oil pouring upon Jesus as I sat here, and then what I watched was so much was pouring upon him, it couldn't be contained to him, that it poured down from him, and it poured to others. She said it was kind of like a bowl, but, but it wasn't staying in that place. It had to flow down. And as it flowed down from Jesus, and it flowed down to one group of his children, another group of his children, suddenly it started pouring through all of these villages and towns. And I said, Bella girl, what you just saw was not a vision question mark. This is the revival that we're watching right now. And when I saw this picture, I said, this is Acts chapter 2. This is in the last days, I will pour out my spirit so that my sons and my daughters that young and old they will all prophesy. So I want to tell you, here this week was a daughter who said I'm going to make space and because she made space, God started to move. So Bella, can you come up here for just a second? Can we give it up for our friend Bella? <laughs> I want you to know, when Bella sent this to me, we weren't seeing the news of all of this. It wasn't like Bella watched the news, and it was like, what's a cool picture of that? It was Bella being quiet in the middle of a school day, and God pouring out and saying, this is what I'm doing. And she said, I think there's something here. I need to send it to my pastor. And when she sent it, I about fell out of my chair, because you are seeing. Can you see it? This is a prophetic vision of what the Lord is doing. And so this is what I want to do. I want you to extend your hands. Oh, I'm excited about this. Extend your hands toward Bella. What we're asking right now, Father, would you come? In fact, I'm going to take the same oil, Lord, that is representative of your spirit. And I'm going to ask right now for your daughter, Bella, that you would pour out that this would be the first of many visions. Father, we receive, those of you who walk strongly in the prophetic grace, come on, you need to be praying right now. Lord, we receive the prophetic grace in this daughter that you are speaking to her. And I pray, Father, that you would increase it. I pray that your spirit would come and fill her. I pray the words would get bolder. I pray confidence now in Jesus' name that she would walk in a place where she would not apologize for what she sees, but she'd also not strive for it. She wouldn't go home today and go, what's the next vision I'm going to have? This found her. Father, you pursued her when she was just walking as a daughter that you very much loved. And so there's no pressure on Bella in this moment. As she lives, you're going to pursue her. So now I just see, Lord, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, Elisha and the ceaseless oil that would pour out. I pray, Father, that in Bella's life, (sighs) that her life would look like her vision. You don't do anything without first revealing it to your prophets and your prophetesses. So, Father, if you want it for the region, I know you want it for Bella. So I call you right now, Lord, to baptize her in the depth of your spirit, your love, and your adoration. I pray that any voice that ever would have lied to her to tell her she was not sufficient or enough or the things that she saw were different or somehow lacking, that she'd understand that the difference, the uniqueness, is what makes the glory. Embolden her voice right now in Jesus' name. And now this is where it gets exciting. I want you to take your hands that have been extended toward her and I want you to put them in a receiving posture. You open your hands to receive. Bella, I want you to extend your hands right now out to the congregation. And I'm going to have you just repeat after me. And you just mean what you say, and something's going to happen. I want you to say, Jesus, the same kindness you've shown me to show me visions of what you want to do, I release to my brothers and sisters. Speak to them them. in dreams, in in visions, visions. and astound them in In Jesus' name. name. If you agree with that, say amen.
2: Amen. Wow,
0: thank you. Y'all, we're not even into the introduction of the message yet. As this picture of revival has been sweeping through. This is what we've seen this week. Last week, we stood up on the platform. Pastor Aaron had a vision that 140 people from this body of overflow would come to know Jesus. And I got to tell you that in the last week, in midweek, minding our own business, going about our own, we had two daughters come home in radical places far off from the Lord that had surrendered their lives to say, I'm leaving behind. And both of them were in the middle of a lifestyle that was not pleasing or honoring to God. It was deep brokenness that everybody else had written off. Both of them were at the extremes. Okay, and I want to protect the sanctity of their stories, but I want to tell you, these were those that were far from God that did not darken the doors of a church and in the middle of the week reached out and said, my father wants me and I'm running home to be with him. God's calling his daughters home. This week in the middle of, of regular meetings, we saw multiple healings across our campus. I got an opportunity to sit with my brother, Teddy. I don't know if Teddy's in the room, but he's working. Of course he is. My father's always working, and so is Teddy protecting us. <laughs> in the middle, Teddy came in. He said, I just can't move my neck at all. And so just in the, in the moment, we just stopped. Candace and I just stopped, laid hands on him, prayed, and said, Lord, I just pray that you'd move. We said, amen. We went through a meeting. And if you've been in a meeting with me, you know I'm going to talk. And so we went for some time. We got all the way done with the meeting. We came out. And just as he's walking out, I said, hey, how's your neck? And all of a sudden, his face went like this. He went. <laughs> and he looked at Candace. He's like, can you? I haven't felt any pain in my neck whatsoever. These are the things that we've been seeing this week, just this morning. And listen, I want to say this. Oh, man, it's hard to correct when you're in the middle of a miracle, but I'm going to do it. Y'all, Pastor Aaron had a word from the Lord that was miraculous that somebody in our room had back pain that they couldn't walk through. And listen, as one who was under that in a debilitating way for many years, you know, if you've had debilitating back pain, it silences everything. It's the core of who you are physically. She had a vision God wanted. It wasn't one, but two. And both of them said as three minutes in a service. No altar call. Sons and daughters lay hands. The pain is gone. And for some of us, we said...
2: you my God still heals he's alive
0: and it's good and as we've been walking in the midst of this revival asking God for more and more and more the other night God woke me up two or three times in the middle of the night and every time, spoke two words to me before I fell right back asleep. And that does, I'm one of these guys, if I wake up, I'm up. No, two or three times I fell back asleep, I heard, I heard a word from God, and boom, back asleep. And he simply said this, make space. Yeah. I fell asleep, woke up, make space. I want to tell you, Bella walked into a new moment simply because she made space. And if we as people would be willing to make space, there is a pursuing revival that is sweeping past us that can't be contained to a building or a denomination or a type of move. It's our God who is on the move, and he calls for us to make space. And so this morning, I want to talk about a way we can do that right now. This series that we've been walking through, there's this main idea that we've given, and it's this. It's that us being holy... Us living a life that is set apart to God. Us living a life that's not common. Us living a life of faith and great fruit and great power. Anybody want that? Us living a life that is holy only comes as a byproduct of us being whole. Of us being healed. You don't get holiness any other way than wholeness. Holiness is the fruit of wholeness. Said another way, every place you will step today closer into wholeness, the fruit that will pour out of your feet is holiness. So who desires holiness today? Who desires wholeness? I'm going to ask the question, does it it burn in you today to be whole? It reminds me of this passage that took place in the days of Jesus. This is in Matthew chapter 20. And it actually is recorded in several of the Gospels, but it says this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, and I love that it was Jericho. Jericho was the place where a miraculous shout knocked down walls. Jericho was the places where the insurmountable things that we can't fix and we can't change, they've just got to topple over because the presence of God has come. And Jesus was just leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. It says two blind men were sitting along the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them, told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped, and he called them. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Lord, they answered, we want to see. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. Now there's something about this passage that I find fascinating and completely ironic. In Jesus' day, it would have been the common practice of blind people or disabled people to sit by the side of the road begging because after all, they had lost their ability to make an honest living and beyond that, if you were blind or you were disabled, it was viewed that there was a problem between you and God. There was a hidden sin. And so not only were they disabled, they were despised. And so what they were to do was what we watch many of the homeless in our community do, standing by the interstate with a sign when many people just look away, scoffing, but they're hoping maybe there's just enough kind people who can throw just enough coins to get just enough food so they could survive just another day. And here's what I find ironic. Jesus has just left Jericho, the places where walls topple. And Jesus... The son of David, who is fully capable of healing in an instant from a distance without a word, stops and holds a press conference to point even more attention on these two broken people. He stops and he asks a question, what do you want me to do for you? And doesn't that seem like a ridiculous question? They're probably not going, well, you know, I'd like a new wardrobe. It's like, no, i blind! What do you mean, what do you want me to do? But what a critical question. Because this is what Jesus is actually asking. He's saying, I, I, I need to know, as you ask for my assistance, what are you actually positioning your heart to receive from me? What is it you're actually asking for? Are you like every other beggar, just wanting a handout? Do you want to leg up today so that you can better work your plan for your life? Or are you calling on me right now because what you want is impossible and insane and crazy? See, they needed a miraculous touch toward wholeness. By the way, that's all healing is. We talk about healing, and sometimes we make healing like it's a circus. Healing isn't a circus. Healing is a birthing room, Okay. Because when you're healed, it's a miraculous touch to bring you toward wholeness. And that's what they needed. And healing is 100% God's department. And yet, he gave us a part. What did he do with them on the road? When he stopped and said, what do you want me to do? I want you to get this because it's key to your miracle today. He invited them to speak their expectancy through spoken clarity. What do you want? He called for them to let desire well up in them so that they would speak without ambiguity and without apology. He called for courageous faith. What was he asking them to do? To get their spine back. Because in that moment, Jesus knew how nuts it would sound to the crowd for them to say what they actually wanted because it was impossible. It would make them the butt of every joke going forward. Oh,
2: there they are. I want to see.
0: (laughs) It could offend another alms giver that was walking by to say, no, I'm not going to be associated with those crazy people. But before Jesus would heal, he had to ask a question. What do you want? So somebody hear me this morning. This is what I believe. The starting line for wholeness. The inception of holiness in the birthplace of revival is desire. What do you want? So here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to ask for you to be patient with me. We're going to take a little assignment here, and then, I, and then we're going to come back and talk about what to do from it. I'm going to put a prompt on the screen right now. And I'm going to give you about four minutes where we can get real with the Lord. Because the same Jesus that walked outside of the walls of Jericho is walking by the events of your life right now. He's walking by you. He's walking by your loved ones. Maybe right now what you're seeing is we've been wrestling through infirmity or debt or addiction, wrong mindsets. I want to urge you in the next four minutes, here's what we're going to do. You may want to turn your chair into a personal altar. You may want to come up here to the altar. You may want to pull out your phone and take a note, but this is my urging right now. I want to encourage you to get past the sanitized super spiritual version where we say safe things that aren't actually what we're asking God for. And I want you to put God on the hook for something you're actually desiring. I want you to speak or to type before him what's actually in your heart. So these four questions that you see, this is all I'm going to ask in the next four minutes. Would you let one of these questions burn in you right now? You can go on the Bible app and follow these notes the rest of the week. You can screenshot the rest of them, but I'm going to ask right now, these next four minutes, and we can even start this song right now. These next four minutes, I'm going to ask one of these questions that's burning in you. What do I want Jesus to do for me? What do I want Jesus to do for one I love? What do I want Jesus to do for someone who is far from him what do I want Jesus to do in my church?
2: I see thy hand my.
0: Savior. Would you begin right it now? me day by day and take a movement toward desire. What do you want?
2: All my pilgrims. Jesus, what do I want for me? Yeah, no so precious. What do I want for a loved one? So full of joy what do I want me. from one who is far from you? Is this the what do I want from the truth? Let's take this extra and,
0: and I speak for you in an anointing to be very bold and courageous say. because in just a minute your Jesus wants to meet you on the road redeemer,
2: you've got to say what you want my Hallelujah this treasure My delight forevermore For past and present blessings I thank the gracious Lord I reverence every priesthood and promise in that word But all oh, this sweet assurance is more than all to me. I savior in my portions. So we just continue. And for, and for 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 very me. Somebody right I now you're you're sanitizing
0: it, you're cleaning it up. ask you at this starting point, would you just respond to the invitation for desire? I'm going to tell him, without cleaning it up, this is what I want. I want self-hatred to flow. I want my bitterness toward this person to be broken. I want my addiction to be dried up.
2: that person has hurt me again and again and again untold is mine, to finally be able to forgive
0: them and see you
2: transformed. Right here before we're done, there's a second
0: question I want you to ask, and it's this. Jesus, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want. Do you have it? This is what I want. Now would you just ask him,
2: what's my part in it? What would you say to me? What's my part? Let's take just a save savior on my portion and sure forever.
0: going to do in just a moment with those, and I just want to thank you for your boldness in that moment. We're going to do something with those desires, but it's not enough to just start at the place of desire. This is where I want to pivot this morning, and this is the main idea I want to give, and what in just a few minutes we're going to pray into. Yes, we've got to lose ambiguity, we've got to lose apology, and we've got to be willing to be bold, but this is what I want you to know. The path to our wholeness almost always passes through the fields Of our brokenness. The path of our wholeness almost always passes through the fields of our brokenness. If we look at Jesus and these two men on the side of the road, in order for them to see, two things had to happen. Number one, they had to admit they were blind. But number two, they had to believe that Jesus was ready to change it. They had to face their brokenness and so let me get real for a minute because the Bible that I read says that the cross purchased it all it says that he gives us more than we have the capacity to ask or imagine and yet often listen I wasn't rebuking you this morning when I said we golf clap we often do that why why What is it that is keeping us from leaping and shouting and praising God every moment of every day? Because listen, his work is finished. He's never reneged on what he did. We see more glory every moment. So what in the world is keeping the church from unhinged and uncontainable joy? Let me make it personal for you. Here's my question. What happened? What happened? And I would imagine if your story is anything like mine, it would be one of a few things. Perhaps there's a place where you sought God for a miracle and it didn't pan out the way you expected. And now hope deferred has made your heart sick. So you hear that somebody's back feels better and you want to scream and shout. But in the back of your head, you're going, yeah, but what about this? If I put all my hope in on this again, am I going to be let down? Maybe you're at a place right now where you have a belief in something that you know in your head is a lie but you cannot seem to shake it from your emotions and you've grown weary there and if you're really being honest this morning, you'd say, you know what? I've settled to a life of asking for alms by the side of the road. I'm not asking desperate, desiring prayers anymore. I'm just getting by. Perhaps in your life there's a shame that is over you telling you that you are unworthy of miraculous presence in your life. You can hear somebody else get healed and scream and shout, but when you look in the mirror, you don't believe the same can be true for you because you've befriended a lie. You've turned a liar into a lover and something needs to be broken. For all of us, no matter what it is, this is what I want to say, everybody in the room, say All. For all of us, there's a place where we are right now that's just like those two men. For all of us right now, there is somewhere in our life before God that we are blind and we can't see. And the day has come that it is time for us to stop living stuck on the side of the road, begging for alms, to cobble together a vision for our life when Jesus is here so that we would see. Let me say it another way. The inheritance of the orphan spirit needs to finally die. And there's nobody I know in the Bible that would have understood that predicament better than a man named Jacob. I want to tell you his story super quick this morning. From the very beginning, if you go back in your mind to the Old Testament, this man named Jacob, from the very beginning, he had big and crazy desires. Desire was never his problem. He desired big things, but he didn't trust God to provide. If you remember the story, Jacob was a twin. And from the very beginning, it was Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was second in the birth order. He was literally second coming out. But listen, for Hebrews to be the firstborn was a super huge deal. It was viewed by them that you were the more favored by God. And so it says in the story that Jacob, though he was second to be born, grabbed his brother's heel from the womb during the time of birth and tried to be first. As he was a kid, growing up. That desire, subconscious, I want to be first, I want to be first, I want to be first. He saw that his dad favored Esau, and he wanted that. So he made blessing his obsession. And he poured out his plan in two phases. Number one, he waited till they got a little bit older. Teenagers. Esau's out working in the field, and one day he comes in, and he's overheated. Feels like he's going to pass out or die, and he's famished. And Jacob had just finished making a stew. And Esau begged, he said, please give me something. He said, sure, I'll do that, brother, for your birthright. You give me your birthright. And this is like keeping up with the Kardashian stuff, right? (laughs) And Esau did it. Because after all, that had no legal implications. Esau didn't have the right to transfer his birthright. That was given by the father. But that was phase one. Phase two, Jacob continued to wait until finally his dad was on his final days ready to confer his blessing on his son. And at this time, Jacob and Esau's dad was blind and weak. And so Jacob decided he was going to role play. He was going to pretend to be Esau so he could steal his brother's blessing. And here's where it gets really messed up because he, he rationalized to himself it was not stealing because, after all, Esau gave it. But you know when we rationalize, all we do is tell ourselves rational lies, right? We tell ourselves things that are absolutely not true. And so here's what Jacob does. He gets his mom's help to steal his brother's blessing. the story is crazy. It says his brother was a hairy guy, so he put the skin of a dead animal on his arms to go talk to his dad. I'm like, somebody get Esau some lotion, right? If that's really what's going on with his arm situation. (laughs) He puts on Esau's clothes so that he would smell like him. He has his mom cook stew the same way Esau cooks it so his dad would believe This is the kind of stuff that the people in the Jerry Springer show would walk and say, like, you guys are messed up. Like, you guys need counseling. You need help. And this is where they were. And so he steals the blessing. But when you steal a blessing, there's no place to rest. You will always be running and wrestling. And so he ran away. Falls in love with a girl named Rachel, but she had a sister whose name was Leah. And Leah was the firstborn, so she was supposed to be married first. So once again in this battle of birth order, this time Jacob had met his match because Rachel and Leah's dad had some games of his own. And in a story of extreme irony given, Jacob's past, on his wedding night Jacob showed up to marry Rachel, and they decided to hold the ceremony at night when it was nice and dark, and sure enough, here comes Leah wearing Rachel's clothes, and Jacob is the one in a dark room who blindly gives his blessing to the wrong person. And in the morning when he had consummated his marriage, he woke up to quite a shock. There was Leah. If ever there was an opportunity for somebody to see, I get it, it's irony. I'm the one that's been living blind. This was Jacob's moment. But he just amped up the deception. story goes on for 14 years. This battle of deception and manipulation to get blessing continues until finally he pulls another trick with the flocks to get away with all the riches of his father-in-law. But once again, Jacob has no rest, no delight. He's not winning. He's always running until his luck runs out. Suddenly, one day, he hears his brother Esau has been found. Esau has become a mighty warrior. He's wealthy. He's influential. And God in his compassion sends angels to minister to blind Jacob so that he could turn. But Jacob's too busy still scheming. He splits up his wives and his flocks and his kids in a desperate attempt to save some of them from the wrath of his brother. And in this overboard of lavish gifts, he tries to appease him by taking all those animals he just spent 14 years stealing, and now he's having to give them away. Over 550 animals, the Bible records, Jacob sent in a rotation every few minutes for hours to his brother, hoping. Until finally it says that Jacob was left alone that night in a field with only God. And this stubborn man wrestled with God all night. He wouldn't let go, but he couldn't win. And at dawn, when God finally saw that Jacob wouldn't stop, it says that he touched his hip. Now listen, the hip is the strongest pivot point for a wrestler. So when God touched Jacob's hip, Jacob was taken down. It was a career Ending injury. Somebody get this. It was the last time that Jacob would ever wrestle. And finally, in defeat and desperation, clinging to God, Jacob says what he's wanted all of these years. What do you want? He said, I can't let go until you bless me which is all the father wanted to do from all the way back in the womb. So check out what happens. He says, Jacob, there's been a lot of pain from your blindness, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take you back to the moment of new birth. See, today's the day that you get a new name because it's the start of a new life. So your name, Jacob, it meant heel grabber, deceiver. That's been your name for all these years. You've lived up to your name, but now I'm gonna tell you your name will be Israel. God wins. Did you know that's what Israel means? God prevails. God wins. You wrestled and you ran, but I'm going to win. And so he touched Jacob's hip because from this moment he was going to walk a different way. Listen, he wrestled as an orphan, but he could only rest as a son. And it leads me to the place with those desires you just wrote down a minute ago. I want to say this to us as we kind of land the plane this morning. Wherever you don't know who and whose you are, you will wrestle as an orphan where you were created to rest as a beloved kid. Wherever you don't know who you are and whose you are, you will wrestle, begging for alms, begging to get by, asking God for another thing and another thing. You're always going to be busy. You're always going to be running. It's the problem I see with many of our prayer lives, with many of the ways that we worship. We lift our hands when we're on the mountaintop, and we get real quiet when we're in the valleys. Our schedules and our endless running and our constant stress, we're wrestling with God as orphans. And when things haven't come in the timing, in the presentation we wanted, we, like Jacob, have reached out to grab the blessing. We've doubted, and we've strived, and we've feared, and we've worried, and we've controlled, and we've manipulated. And we've chosen pride. I want to say this right now if you're in a place going, I was one of those that wanted to clap, but God just didn't come through. I want to say this in love. We've chosen pride is if the God of the universe owes us a response because though he's given us life and blessed us in billions of ways, there are a few things we're holding in our hands that from our vantage point don't make any sense to us. So we sit blind on the side of the street pouting that he's not God and that he's not good and we keep asking for alms when he's come for us to see. I want to tell you this morning that I believe the victim spirit is a demonic entity to make beloved kids live like they're orphans. The victim spirit, oh, woe is me, I'm offended, I'm hurt. Oh, this has come against me. Listen, brokenness comes to all of us. So I don't say this with any lack of compassion. My heart bleeds for the way God's children have hurt. It bleeds even more for the times it's happened within the doors of a church. But the victim spirit the I alone and the only one and God hasn't come through for me, that is a demonic entity and it is for a sole reason of keeping you blind so that you would keep trying by little prayers and little plans to get by knowing it will never satisfy. And it is time for you and I to be done wrestling like an orphan and in the mess and mystery called life to admit that we are blind so that we can be done forging our own path. I'll read just one last scripture to you this morning. It's from Hebrews chapter 12. God's speaking to us and he he says this. He says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? He says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. He says, if you completely forgotten, there's something critical, there's something foundational that we need to know and we need to cling to. What is it? It's a word of encouragement. What does that mean? Literally a word to get your courage back. He said, I've got a word that you need to get your spine back. Because you keep trying your moral reform plans, and you're trying to work it as an orphan, and you're getting mad at God, and you're keeping your clap and your applause small. You're keeping your borders small, and you're exhausted, and you're weary. But Jesus is passing by on the road. He said, there's a word of encouragement. You've got to get your courage back. What is it? You're a son. You're a daughter. He loves you, and he likes you, and what you and I are viewing as opposition and trauma and being forgotten is not true. At every moment, he's refining and pursuing Informing forming his kingdom. And listen, for some of us this morning, it is time for us to let God touch our hip so we would walk differently. Maybe you had a hard time in those four minutes to even say what you desired because so many things you've lifted up to God. You're like, I just don't want to give another one. I get it. I've lived that. But you know what I've done for years and years and years? I've wrestled to get blessing instead of resting as a son. And I'm telling you, the anointing of the Lord is here this morning, not for you to figure it out more, but for you to yield. The Father is going to touch somebody's hip this morning, and it will be your last wrestling match. You're not going to wrestle anymore. You're going to rest from here. There'll be no more jockeying for position, no more making it happen, no more resenting when it doesn't work. But equally, I want to say there'll be no more settling. I pray this morning as you're hearing my voice that something is beginning to burn in your heart and not thinking, man, three weeks in a row the service has gone long. I hope that's not where you are right now. (laughs) I hope right now something is burning in your heart to say, you know what, I can't understand it, but I feel Jesus is walking by on the road and I've been settling. I've been praying safe prayers. Often we pray safe prayers because we're good people and we want to be gentlemen. We don't want to make God look bad. It's time for the church to be willing to have a faith that's willing to make God look bad. He'll always come through. It's time for us to believe again and get our courage back. So I want to ask a very simple question this morning. Where is it time for the orphan spirit to die? Where is it time for you to stop just getting the next plan and, I'm okay, brother and sister, I'm okay, I'm fine, it's all right. Where is it time to actually dream and desire again? Where is it time to get your courage back and your spine back? Where is it time to have radical faith again? Where is it time to make space and to get your rest and to get your delight back? Where is it time to surrender the idols that we're chasing for blessing? Where is it time for desire to be birthed again? Where is it time that we're blind and we need to see? Where is it time for a wholeness that will result in holiness, and where is it time that something in you needs to be revived? And that I just want to ask if you would stand with me. Because there are two responses I want to give this morning. And I'm going to ask, as you're before the Lord, if you just close your eyes for a minute. As I've asked the Lord where we're to go, This is what I sensed he said. There are places that we're blind. There are places we're just trying to get by. There are places we're settling. So for somebody this morning, there's a place you're settling. It's time to be done settling. It's time to get your spine back. It's time to get your courage back. For somebody else, you have big dreams, but like Jacob, it's like you're wrestling all the time. You're always trying to get it. You're always trying to make the opportunity. And you feel like an orphan. And it's time for the victim spirit and the orphan spirit to die. I'm going to ask right now, if you could just lay a hand on your heart. I just want to begin to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you speak all around this room? Holy Spirit, would you move? This is what I believe. I believe the Lord is coming by on the road of our lives right now. And he's wanting to completely take over. And I see two responses this morning. Even as we close our time in worship, I see two responses. Number one, there are some who need to come home for the first time. And number two, there's some that you've known him for a long time, but it's time for a victim spirit and orphan mentality and idols and safe dreams to fall. It's time to be ignited by a baptism of his spirit. So as you have your hand on your heart, I just want to read these words from the psalmist over you. And I want to ask, is this your prayer? Is this your desire? Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God and I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as if I'm in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So God, I'm looking for you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, and I declare that your steadfast love is better than life, and so my lips will praise you. Somebody, it's like your lips have been a prison cell, and they need to be opened up today for radical praise to pour out again, for radical dreams to pour out again. Somebody, would you say, God, I want my lips to praise you again. I want to believe you again. So I'll bless you as long as I live. In your name, I lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied with rich food, and my mouth will always praise you with joyful lips. Here's what I want to ask. As I've been praying this week, if you've been around here, you'll know This isn't an MO that I normally walk by, so somebody needs to receive this morning that this is a directive from the Lord. There's somebody here in the room or somebodies that he's been pursuing you. The Lord said there's somebody right now that that is burning in their heart. They wanna know me like that. They wanna know me as their portion, as their God, as their everything, not just a ticket to heaven, not just a, a punch card, but they wanna know the living God. And they need to come home. And if that's you, this is what he said. He said, this morning, I want them to come the same way they did in the psalm. I want them to come out of the dark into the light and to seek me in my sanctuary. So what I'm going to ask right now, with everybody else, your hand on your heart, your eyes closed, I'm going to say right now, if you are at the place where you don't know if you've ever come home before, I don't care if you said, I prayed a prayer when I was young, but I don't think it meant anything. If right now it's burning in you to say, my father's jealous for me. He wants my heart. I've been blind, I've been wrestling, I've been running, I've been scheming, I've been fearing, but it's time to come home. I'm gonna ask right now in faith. I'm believing God has had you on my heart all week. I'm gonna ask you to step out of your seat and come forward. If you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm gonna ask you to, to be very bold and courageous and step out of your seat. And come forward. I'm going to ask you to come right here to the platform where we're going to celebrate and we're going to pray. Come on. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm going to ask you to be bold and come forward. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't want you to be thinking about anybody else like those two men on the road, they, uh, they crossed a threshold where they no longer cared what anybody else said, what anybody else thought, because I wanna tell you this, right now, you're gonna be stepping into a family, you're not gonna walk alone anymore. If that's you, I'm not gonna strive, I'm not gonna yearn, I'm not gonna twist your arm, I'm not gonna beg, but I am gonna steward this moment. If it's burning in you right now, would you please just take that step? If it's burning in you, yes, Lord.
2: Yes, Lord.
0: If it's burning in you, would you just take that step? God, I got to know you. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I got to know you. I'm going to stay here another 30 seconds before I ask the next. But if that's you, it's the last time I'm going to ask it. If that's you, would you take the step? I'm going to ask right now for you who've come forward. It's just even before him. The psalm talks about your lips praising him. Would you just begin to tell him, God, I just got to know you? Would you just begin in your own heart just to tell him how you long for him? I'm going to ask right now that you would just tell him, Jesus, I've been blind. I've been struggling, and I've been striving, and I've been wanting to be seen, and known, and noticed, and loved, and embraced. Come on, anybody else, this is you, you come on now while we're praying. I'm done running, Jesus, would you tell him that? Those of you who've come to surrender, I'm done running. No more running, would you say with your own lips, I'm done running, I'm not gonna run anymore. I can't fix it, I can't make myself see but God, what I want is I want to see you. I give you my every wayward path. Would you come and fill me with your spirit? You that have come forward, it's that simple. Would you come and fill me with your spirit? Would you ask him that from your lips? Would you come and fill me with your spirit? Oh, Father God, you're so good. You're so good, I wanna tell you. You are seen, you are adored, you are loved, you are enough. Stay here in this moment. And for everybody else in the room, I've got a a charge and a challenge for us in just a minute.
2: Father says, I delight. I delight. I delight. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness. calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling.
0: So as they continue here I want to say one thing and I'm going to open up our altar call it is about to get crazy y'all but for you that have come forward I'm asking Pastor Aaron, specifically our outreach and missions pastor she's going to follow up with you because this matters way too much for you to walk alone you're not going to walk alone anymore and so she's going to help because something prompted your heart that is so courageous and we're going to walk with you but for all of us right now listen what we've witnessed this morning at this point we're just starting on this but it's a miracle can we celebrate with heaven what God is doing Now there's one more place for us to go because this is what I heard from the Lord. He said, there are many people in the room that you know me. You know me. You love me, but you've been walking blind. So for those of you who came forward, this second part of the altar call is for you. So you just stay right where you are. But a lot of other brothers and sisters are gonna be joining you. There are some in the room right now where you're saying, it is time for wrestling to be done. It is time for the victim's spirit to die. There's some lie of unworthiness you've been believing. Even now, what I'm going to ask if that's you, there's a lie of unworthiness you've been believing. There's a wrestling. There's a striving. And right now, you know there's a filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a place where He comes and baptizes you fully, takes you under, and you want to walk in. We can keep worshiping, worship team. You know right now the Father wants more for you, that He's jealous, that He wants to fill you completely. Somebody, you're in a place where you say, where, where I've been in my life, I've not felt seen or loved. I always feel like the third wheel walking into every room and you need a baptism of love to know that he's always chosen you and there's no more wrestling. There's no more figuring it out. If that's you this morning, That you want a baptism of his love saying, I'm done wrestling. I'm done sitting by the side of the road begging for alms. I need the Holy Spirit to come and fill me completely. All of his heart, all of his love, all of his gifts, all of his presence. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to step out from your seat and join your brothers and sisters here at the altar because we're going to pray for a filling for you now. If you're saying, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come right now. Would you step out from your seat right now? Holy Spirit, I want you to fill me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, I'm done with it just being okay. I'm done with just getting by another day. I'm done with playing church. Jesus, I want you to fully take over. You're saying right now, I'm ready for you to clean house. Take whatever you want. And what I'm going to ask is you guys have come in the same way. It says, my lips will praise you. Will you just begin to tell him, Father, this is what I'm carrying, but I'm praising you. Father, I can't solve it, but I'm praising you right now. Would you just begin to praise him? Would you begin to praise him? I'm going to ask some of our pastors and elders and prayer ministers just to come around you even as you're here. Anybody else that's coming as you're coming, this is what we're asking right now. We've got oil up here on the altar. Any of our ministers in the room, they're just going to come around you and lay a hand on you and ask the Lord to pour through more than you could ask or imagine. So here's my question. You've come forward. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Tell him now, out of your lips. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? want? Right now as we begin just to pray for you, Asking for a consuming love that would burn away every other desire that the enemy would have for your life. Yes. Yeah, ministers, let's just continue to pray. Worship team, continue to lead us here in worship. We're just going to steward this moment here. Yes, Father, come and fill. Come and move.